Hour number two of the Bill Michael Show. Good stuff. Now we take a little bit uh, deeper dive, if you will, into uh, into the pack. As uh, we talked to our buddy Mike Renner, Pro Football Focus, uh, joining us. Mike, how you doing today, man? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me on. No, my pleasure. Uh, we're glad you made it. Uh, this team is kind of an enigma right now. I don't know if they're – I don't think necessarily – and I, I was asked this last night, you tell me, because uh, a buddy of mine and I are talking, and he said, you know, hey, offensively, can the Packers be fixed? I don't think they can be fixed. I think they can get better, but I don't think you can be you – know, Devonta Adams is not walking through that door. Downfield passes are not going to be coming easily all of a sudden. I, I think – the only thing they can do is put the best five out there for their offensive line to still be able to create the run-pass options, and and Aaron Rodgers and his receiving core get a little bit more on the same page. But I don't think it's going to be fixed. Do you? No, I, I don't think we're seeing the offense we saw the last two years ever walk through that door this season. It's it just you're not going to have that unless you have guys like Devontae Adams that can you know, get open down the football field. So I think that's a big part of what we're seeing. But, like, I think their running game has a chance to be better this year than it was in years past. So, you know, if they are going to win games, if they are going to put up, light up scoreboards like they have in years past, that's where it's going to come, which, you know, at the end of the day, it's not going to lead to a ton of points because obviously it's going to be ball control, but it can also lead to wins when you do have a high end running game, the way the Packers do. So I, I do think there's reason to believe that this offense can still you know, score can, can be good enough, can be a Super Bowl caliber offense, good enough to win you that. But I don't think we're ever going to see, you know, 2011, 2020, 2021 offense walking through that door anytime soon. So let's talk. I, I saw your post uh, about the defense and the fact that the defense is second best when it comes to passing yards given up. But the crossing round is killing them. And not only is it, is it they're giving it up, but it's also keeping drives alive. Yeah, and that's an advent of, you know, that's, those are busted coverages. Those are crossing routes are meant to, you know, break down zone coverages because a guy just running across the field is, is an easy route to defend. You, you know, if you're in man-to-man or a man-match sort of uh, defensive call because the guy's just running a straight line. That's, you know, there's no break to the route. There's no spot where a guy gets open. So uh, it's meant to basically beat zone coverages, and that's what the Packers have been their biggest weakness throughout the season is just breakdowns, you know, mental mistakes. So that's, on one hand, that's a good thing because realistically those should be fixable. But on the other hand, it's like, how many weeks do we have to keep going with them? You know, how long is this going to last before it gets fixed and how many teams are going to exploit that weakness before uh, we just realize that maybe that's part of this Packers defense. So I think that's the worrisome thing is everyone knows the talent's there. It just really hasn't played up to uh, what they could be playing up to. The Packers' overall defense, uh, which is kind of astounding to people in the fact that they're fifth-ranked. Uh, they're only giving up 303.4 yards per game. Uh, the passing yards are not bad. We all have talked about that. The rushing yards, they're giving up 126 yards a game. But is is the crossing route the only thing that's right now hindering this team? No, I, I mean, I, I do think that their lack of depth on the defensive line is an issue to monitor. You know, you have... Guys like Rashawn Gary, Kenny Clark are obviously massive impact players, but how many snaps do you realistically want them to be playing in a 17-game season with you know, ultimately the goal being three playoff games or four playoff games? 
uh, when it's all said and done. So that's a lot of wear and tear on guys that they're having to fit, have them play 80, 90% of the snaps right now. They can't be fresh out there uh, for third downs because then they have no one to stop the run on first and second down. So I think that's the other worry is that if they lose any one of those guys up front, all of a sudden things could get real ugly for this run defense. I, uh, I want to go back to the game on Sunday and the fact that uh, they ended up throwing the ball three straight times on a three and out twice uh, in the, near the goal line on third and short, fourth and short. Uh, basically, I, and I've been talking about this all morning, it used to be if you sent everybody after Aaron Rodgers, he would kill you. He'd pick you apart. Now it seems like teams are saying, go ahead. You don't got anything. We're good with that. Do you see the same thing? I do, and a lot of that's because kind of the person some of that personnel related you know he, he's looking in those scenarios he's looking just towards the guys he trusts right he's looking to cop he's looking to lazard when blitz comes those are the guys he knows those are the guys that he's willing to throw to and that's that's, that's worrisome you know you have to have all options when the blitz is coming you can't just you know go to your one favorite guy because that guy might not be open as we saw uh, in the final play of that game last week when he is trying to force one to lazard and back shoulder and ends up so that to me is the biggest thing is just getting Christian Watson to be comfortable with hot reads, hot routes, him being a guy who's available, who's open, or you know, a guy he'll look to in those scenarios, getting Romeo Dobbs to be that guy, getting Sammy Watkins whenever he does come back to be that guy. That's a bigger thing because he, it's just kind of the nature of the game is you can't only have you know, one or two guys that you're looking to on a given play uh, as we've seen for them in years past. The guys in coverage, uh, Jair Alexander was considered, in, and still is to a certain extent, considered one of the best cover corners in the league. Is he better outside or inside? I think he's better outside, but of the guys they have, I think he's their best inside as well. They have, you know, Rasul Douglas is a bigger, longer, sort of more physical outside cornerback. And that's what he's been throughout his career. It's where he's excelled. Eric Stokes is pretty much your quintessential like straight line long speed. If you're using them in the slot, uh, you're taking away his biggest asset, which is being able to track and hawk wide receivers down down the football field. So, uh, yeah, I just think he's probably your best suited there. He's one of your best tacklers, one of your best players, probably your best corner against the run, uh, one of your most physical corners. That, that's probably the guy you want there, even if, you know, it's in my opinion, it's more valuable what you can do from just shutting down out number one receivers on the outside perspective. But, uh, you kind of got to pick your poison with what you're dealt as a roster. And so that's probably where I'd slot him if I was, you know, in this defense. So here's the next question that I have for you, and, and that is with uh, the NFC still not really, other than the Philadelphia Eagles, maybe Dallas is, you know, because we figured, well, the Rams would be right there, and the Rams have certainly fallen off, and they don't look like the same team. The Packers are struggling. The Vikings, while they have, they're have they 4-1, but they've struggled at times and had close calls with both Detroit and Chicago. I mean, who right now, other than Philadelphia and Dallas maybe, who are the, who are the other teams that, uh, as far as the NFC goes, that you would fear? I still think the Bucks, when they have their full complement of wide receivers, are going to be a little different animal than when they faced them without all those guys, without Evans, without Godwin, without Julio. So that's, to me, as a team, even though they beat him already, that I'd still be worried about. And the 49ers, you know, with Jimmy G, this is a much better football team than they looked with Trey Lance, obviously, when they lost the Chicago Bears. And this is the best defense in football right now. From a points-per-game perspective, from EPA-per-play perspective, uh, they, at all three levels, have impact type of playmakers that 
Uh, I think they may have even gotten better over the course of the offseason. We saw obviously them shut down the Packers' offense last year. So I, I would throw those two in the mix as well. Uh, the total offense right now, Buffalo Bills kind of run away with it. Philadelphia, number two, the top two teams in each conference, in my belief. The stunning thing, and I, I want to ask you about this, because I thought Detroit was going to be a team that would be pesky, that maybe get to seven, eight wins. Right now, yards per game, they are third best offensively in yards per game. Is it just a matter of their secondary stinks? It's more than just their secondary. It's their defensive line, the interior <laughs> is awful. I mean, they have probably the worst defensive tackle position in the NFL at the moment. And they're a little banged up there, but they, they can't get after. They pressured Bailey Zappi twice in that game against the Patriots. That's losing football. I don't care who you are. And when your best player, and I think their highest graded player in that defensive line is a rookie, number two overall pick, Aiden Hutchinson, who's been, you know, just been all right. That's worrisome. So this is probably a bona fide defensive line in the NFL right now, the Detroit Lions. That's why they're it's kind of all three levels have just not played well for that defense. Uh, and then, uh, you know, a couple more things before I let you go. And I wanted to also go back to the Green Bay Packers and Aaron Rodgers. Uh, some will say, well, his accuracy has fallen off. And, and I want to get back into that for a minute because I don't think necessarily – I mean, he can on his back foot flick a ball 70 yards and be as accurate as accurate can possibly be. I don't think it's his accuracy. I think it's – wide receivers he's not overly overwhelmingly familiar with defenses that are playing just strictly man on the outside and that's about it and the fact that the weaponry hasn't been as good he's not on the same page with these guys while that will get better do you see that the same or is there something with Aaron Rodgers where the accuracy is just way off no I don't I Rodgers doesn't look much different to me honestly I, I think it's the same guy we saw seeing the last two years it's just there's only so often you can try to force into a tight window down the football field that, uh, you know, you've got to give this guy a little bit of leeway on some of those throws. They're just not scheming open guys down the field for him to hit. Um, but when he does have those shots, I think he's, there's very few I can count throughout the season where he really missed a guy. Uh, most of his misses when he is targeting, you know, deeper passes are coming when a guy's blanketed and he just has to miss and has to err on one side to give his guy a chance. So, yeah, I'm not too worried about Rodgers in that respect. I am just worried about this offense uh, and the playmakers kind of not meshing or not, I guess, you know, Rodgers with all his picadillos and all his, like, odd ways he goes about playing at the quarterback position, just not being what he wants at the moment or not being comfortable with Aaron Rodgers at the moment. I want to go back to something we talked about, and that beating the Minnesota Vikings. Uh, you can kind of look at Kirk Cousins and see – some good things are going on there, but how good really are they? Defensively, they're getting after it. I understand that. But how really good are they right now? They kind of feel like the team that's taken advantage of the fact that the NFC is really down, right? They, they're they 4-1, and one, but I don't think anyone's looking at them being like, oh, that's a Super Bowl type of team. You know, they just they don't have a great secondary. It's a fine secondary. They have yeah. Their linebackers are probably pretty solid. They're edge rush they can get after quarterbacks a little but like there's no real area of this team where it's like oh yeah you got to worry about that I, I will say though offensively at the very least this is a much improved offensive line and, and one of the biggest things you know for the Vikings for the past handful of years was they just would get trounced every now and then by opposed some defensive lines because their tackle position the interior is such a mess I, I think at least they've got that figured out so I, I think this is a better it's just considerably different than team that we've seen in years past from that perspective but i still do think that this is just kind of a kind of an average roster 
with probably, you know, probably going to get a little bit above average results because the rest of the NFC is so bad. Um, I want to look at the Dallas Cowboys real quick because there's a lot of talk about Dak and when he comes back and what this is going to mean offensively. Give me your thoughts and give me your, your grade of Cooper Rush and what he's been able to accomplish with the Dallas Cowboys and not losing since taking over for Dak Prescott. Hey, well, Rush has kind of just been a game manager. It's, it's really been this, this front seven. It's, they've been insane about how they've gotten after opposing quarterbacks this past week. Matt Stafford had no chance. I mean, Michael Parsons, uh, Demarcus Lawrence, um, the guys they're throwing out there in that defensive line is just, they've been dominant. And so that, that to me is the bigger thing is that I don't want to see this defense when Dak Prescott comes back because Cooper Rush kind of keeping them afloat, really just not making the mistakes to lose some games. But this defense has really been, and I can't wait to see how they fare against the Eagles this week because they've won them four straight games now. One last question. Are the New York Giants at 4-1 and one for real? No. Uh, no. They, they, they are, admit, like, defiantly not for real. They're just, they're a, they, this is the first time they scored over 20 points in the game this past week against the Packers. They, they, they still have issues offensively. Uh, but hats off to Brian Dable. He, he's done a great job scheming uh, around some of them. But this is still a team that's probably going to end up around or below 500. Mike, great stuff as always, man. I appreciate it. We'll continue to follow you over on Twitter and Pro Football Focus as well, okay? For sure. Thanks for having me. Have a good one. Thanks, pal. Talk to you soon. There you go. Mike Renner, Pro Football Focus, at PFF underscore Mike, at PFF underscore Mike. You wonder how good the Giants would be if they have all their complement of wide receivers, if they have their full complement of corners, if they have their full complement of offensive linemen and a healthy quarterback. I still don't think Daniel Jones is the answer, but he at least has done enough to be okay and not be a detriment to that team. But 4-1 and one the Giants are right now. 4-1. and one. Out of that, uh, we all talked about the West being the strongest division. It certainly looks like the, uh, the NFC East is the strongest division in football almost. Ben, would you not agree with that at this point, just record-wise? Yeah, it's like the, uh, the Big Ten West of the NFL. Right? Just a lot of tough teams that beat up on each other and are better than people think. The AFC East is strong in record with the Bills, the Jets, the Dolphins, all right there. New England at two and three, but New England has even played okay once they get Mac Jones back. Uh, it has been somewhat of a head-scratcher over in the AFC North. Uh, the AFC South, we don't have any real belief in at all, and the AFC West is basically Kansas City and everybody else, even though the Chargers are sitting at three and two. I don't think we have a lot of belief in their coaching staff. But the NFC East... 5-0 and Philadelphia, 4-1 and Dallas, 4-1 and the Giants, and then Washington sucking swamp water at the opposite of 1-4. and And in the meantime, you got the Vikings who are 4-1, and the Packers who are 3-2. and The Packers only a game better than Chicago, but they obviously have the tiebreaker, but still struggling to a certain extent. Tampa Bay, New Orleans, even Atlanta, a game dividing those three teams. And then you go to the NFC West, and while a game, they're, they're, it, it's amazing that if any champions are sub-500 at 2-3, the Cardinals, who paid Kyler Murray all that money and should have been better, they're 2-3. and three. Seattle is 2-3. and three. We didn't expect them to be very good. And then the team that made the flip is San Francisco, and they've been decent under Jimmy Garoppolo, winning two straight. And they've got a point differential of plus 47. That is tied for the most in the uh, in the NFC with the Philadelphia Eagles 
so far and what they've been able to accomplish. And if you want to get into it, it's second in all of football because the only team that's really got a huge point differential is the Buffalo Bills at plus 91. Everybody else is 47 or worse. So the Bills look to be the strongest team in the National Football League, at least at this point. So anyway, uh, 877-867-1670. You want to find us, please feel free to go ahead and do so. Again, 877-867-1670. More of the Bill Michael Show coming. This is the Bill Michael Show on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Continue on. The Bill Michael Show brought to you by our friends at Epoxy Flooring Done Right. Get a hold of Sean and the gang at EpoxyFlooringDoneRight.com. That is EpoxyFlooringDoneRight.com. Good stuff uh, there. And uh, you can see the uh, the epoxy flooring coating that I've had put down at my house, which is absolutely fantastic. So there you go. Um, let's do this. Uh, let's, let's go back into the direction of the, uh, the Green Bay Packers. A- Andy Herman of the Packer Day Podcast uh, joining us uh, on the hotline. Andy, how you been, pal? Hey, doing great. Thanks so much for having me as always, Bill. So I, I want to go back to um, what you had said. Uh, you tweeted out that you went through all these uh, plays when the, the Packers were over in London. Give me your assessment of what you're seeing. Oh, man, that's a loaded question. We could go in a million different directions. Right. Uh, I think I'll start off by by saying I think they're playing an extremely uncomplimentary brand of football right now. I think we all sort of expected there to be a formula for this Packers team to have success that included, you know, a sound, solid defense, a offense that was going to be probably a bit more ball control that we than we're used to, certainly featuring Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon, and a special teams that hopefully was just not an unmitigated nightmare like we've seen over the past handful of seasons. And I think we saw glimpses of that through the first month of the season, and when things were going well, we certainly saw the, the running backs get going. We saw the defense had the ability to get off the field, get some three and outs. But we've also seen... When this defense is not at its best and not doing the things that they're capable of doing, at, whether it's Bailey Zappi or Daniel Jones at quarterback, um, that they can struggle. And I thought this was a very vanilla defense. They brought a couple blitzes. I know they brought some five-man uh, fronts like Matt LaFleur mentioned, but um, they're doing a lot of the same things over and over, and I think they're getting pretty predictable on defense. On offense, uh, they're not featuring Aaron Jones, and that seems to happen basically since Aaron Jones became a Green Bay Packer, where it seems like this team just finds ways to forget that he uh, is available to them at times. I think Aaron Rodgers clearly needs to play better. Uh, The defense needs to get off the field so the offense can have the ball more than three times in the second half. The offense can't go three and out when the defense is entirely gassed. And we could probably go in a million different directions, Bill, but like I said, this is probably the most uncomplimentary game of football that you can possibly imagine for an offense and a defense that need each other if they want to actually be a successful team. Okay, let's uh, let's start defensively speaking with what you discussed. So is Joe Barry, and I, I said this when you talk about vanilla or soft or whatever you want to call it, uh, there's not a lot of creativity. You're playing off the ball. It seems like when they get a lead, they just kind of sit back and wait for teams to – you know, just not get over the top, but they'll take up chunk yards on them and such. We saw the third and 13 where they're playing 14 to 15 yards off the ball and then backpedaling at the snap. You know, is this a Joe Barry defense that's just not going to have an aggressiveness to it? 
so far, I mean, clearly, this has been a very unaggressive defense through five weeks of the season. I think something's definitely going to have to change. Listen, I think the idea of wanting to play an umbrella defense, two safeties high, play your corners off, come up and tackle, not give up big plays, make the team have to go, the opposing team have to go 12 plays, 80 yards to score touchdowns, hope that your red zone defense is going to hold them to field goals when they do get drives, and hopefully that they just make a ton of mistakes on their way down the field. Like, as an overarching philosophy, this isn't something that's not, uh, like, that is new or indifferent into what is going on through the remainder of the league. This is very in vogue at the moment. So I get it, and, and I think every defense needs to start with something from a philosophical standpoint that they can work with and I get it I don't always love it but I understand what they're they're doing that being said um, you also have to have a couple things in mind eight you can't just do the same thing over and over and expect to have results I don't care if your fast miles 100 or fastball is 102 miles per hour uh, you need to throw a change up in a curveball a great example of this uh, Packers show double a gap blitz against Daniel Jones and the the Giants have a QB sneak called and if they give Green Bay any credit for actually bringing that double A-gap blitz, they have to get out of that call or call a timeout because it has 0% chance of success. The Giants basically know that they're not actually going to bring those linebackers because they've abandoned that blitz all season long and they get those linebackers out of there, which opens up that huge void in the middle of the field. Daniel Jones gets the draw. He goes up and gets a first down and just wasn't giving Joe Barry any credit for actually blitzing on the play. Um, so I think having uh, a little bit of a change of pace from here and there is going to make things less predictable and less easy to game plan for for opposing offenses. And then I think the other thing is you clearly have to know down and distance and game situation. So another example of this, you're based, the Giants basically on like the 50-ish yard line and it's second and 19 and they're getting into, you know, starting to get into Green Bay territory. And on the left side of the field, you've got a wide receiver that they brought up from the practice squad this week versus Jair Alexander, the highest paid corner in football. And Jair's playing 12 yards off, and the wide receiver just takes a, a quick little, uh, you know, dig route, and the, you know, Jones throws the ball there. Jair kind of takes a poor route, and it ends up being a 12-yard gain with no challenge to it whatsoever. And they get off the field on the next play, which is great. You, your, your sort of philosophy worked, um, but because you gave up that 12, 13 yards on that play that you basically gave to them, um, they get a field goal out of it instead of maybe getting them off the field without points. And again, this is a practice squad receiver versus Jair Alexander. So that they have to change things up. They have to be more aggressive and they have to know situational football. The uh, the linebackers, I know Matt LaFleur alluded to the fact that, well, you know, some of this is pre-snap stuff. Some of this is confusion. Some of this is guys not in the proper position at the right time when the ball is snapped. Uh, to me, Devondre Campbell and company, this is the kind of their job to get guys in place. So is it as easy to say, no, it's not Joe? It is more so guys just aren't ready. I, I thought p kind of it was passing the buck a little bit uh, and taking away the criticism from Joe Barry when he gave us that answer. Yeah, I think, yeah, I'm sure there's a piece of it, right, where, like, yeah, you want to get lined up and uh, get ready to go on time. I thought there were a couple instances of that in the game that kind of cost Green Bay of just not being in a position to succeed when the ball was snapped. But um, I think that's a piece of the equation and certainly not the full equation. Listen, I think it's everything. I think it's all the things that we just discussed from a, a coaching standpoint and a scheme standpoint. I think you have a lot of players right now on defense. Uh, certainly Devondre Campbell at linebacker is one of those. I think Razul Douglas is another, Eric Stokes, Darnell Savage, even Adrian Amos to some extent, who are probably not playing up to their expectations. And if you want to like talk either players or coaching, um, one of the things I always look at from a coaching standpoint, and this goes for not just coordinators and head coaches, but positional coaches as well, when you look at this team as a whole, 
how many players, if, if we set proper expectations for, you know, the players going into the season, how many players are exceeding those expectations for Green Bay right now? Maybe Romeo Dobbs, fourth-round draft pick, I think maybe coming out a little bit stronger than we expected. Um, I think Kenny Clark and Rashawn Gary are off to really nice starts, but those are sort of expected in and of themselves because they're both phenomenal players. Outside of that, it's really tough to pinpoint anyone that you can point to and say, man, they are just playing way above what I expected. And a lot of players aren't even playing at the level that was expected. And to me, whether that you, you know, you want to point to the players, or you want to point to the coaches not getting the most out of their players. I think it's probably somewhere in the middle, um, but it's just not good enough through five weeks so far. So let's go to the offensive side and the, the lack of Aaron Jones participation. You know, are we talking about play? I mean, I don't know if we'll ever really know, but are we talking about strictly play calling here? Are we talking about, uh, as everybody assumes, is the appeasement of the quarterback or the quarterback checking out of the run plays? I know Aaron Rodgers said, hey, I'm not the one calling the plays, but I like the play call, you know, that type of thing. What What do you think it is? Yeah, so I think it's, it's partially that they're checking out of, you know, you know, run play, what they call run solutions, where the box is, is stacked and you're trying to get into a play that's going to be more beneficial for your offense. And in theory, I think that's a really good thing. I think you want to be able to have solutions baked into your offense so that if the defense is showing and, you know, tipping their hand and, you know, listen, Aaron Rodgers is phenomenal with his cadence and getting defenses to tip their hands so that he can go to the direction of the field that's going to be the best mismatch for you. I think in theory, that works well. And again, as a core philosophy and tenet of your team, that's great. However, um, it, it can't be at the expense of, you know, getting Aaron Jones the football. That player has to touch the ball, you know, 18 to 20 times per game. And however you want to do that, whether that's part of your run solutions, handing the ball off, or just saying, hey, this is going to be a run to Aaron Jones, and I don't care if they've got eight or nine guys in the box. We just need to get him the football. Um, I don't care what capacity that's in, but I think there has to be a, a way to do that in a better way, regardless of what the defense is showing, because I think one of the things you don't want to get into is letting the defense dictate to you of what they want you to do. Um, I think, you know, if you've got Devontae Adams outside in a one-on-one and you can take advantage of that man situation at a high percentage, that's great. Um, but they don't have that player. They don't have that cheat code on the outside. They've got a bunch of rookies and some veterans who don't get off press very well. So they have to change their philosophy a little bit there. And again, just have a, a better mentality for making sure that the player that is going to get them in the best positions is getting the football. And right now that's Aaron Jones and it just doesn't happen consistently enough. Offensive line, uh, give me your thoughts on Elton Jenkins as a as a tackle versus a guard. So I think he's a guard as a player overall, and I think it's certainly, you know, I think T.J. Lang tweeted this as well, like, you know, give him a lot of credit for playing out at tackle. I will say this was by far and away his best game so far uh, in uh, this past week against the Giants. I thought the last two weeks he he did really great in run blocking. I thought the first uh, you know first couple games he played for, from a pass pro standpoint were really really tough. You could tell there was a lot of rust uh, to get off. And I think it's also worth noting. I think it was somewhere around like 33 plays at right tackle in his entire career prior to this season. So not only coming off of an ACL, but very minimal snaps at right tackle as well. Uh, so I think he's working off some of the rust, and I think he's learning the new position. Um, I actually came out of this game. That was one of my you know, good takeaways from this game. There weren't very many of them, uh, but he looked much more like himself at right tackle. Now, part of that is you're going against a rookie in Kayvon Thibodeau that didn't exactly know how to attack him quite as much as a veteran would, um, You know, kind of fake outside and go inside and set him up a little bit better. Uh, but still, overall, pass pro was much better this week. Run blocking was once again great for the second straight week. And I think there are at least signs that, okay, maybe this could potentially work. I think the bigger question is do you really want Royce Newman out there and his, his uh, 
uh, Yash Nyman a better opportunity at right tackle with Elton moving into right guard. So uh, a lot of questions still to be answered there as well. Um, I want to talk about the wide receiving. You mentioned uh, the veterans that don't get off very well. You've got young guys that are trying to get the job done. Uh, I have not, and we talked about this earlier today. When you see guys, defensive coordinators that give you all out blitz, that they come after you, they go single high coverage. I mean, all that stuff. That was stuff you never did to a Packers offense. And now they can do it almost at will to say it doesn't matter because you don't have anybody. I mean, do you get that sense that defensive coordinators looking at it going, yeah, you got Aaron Rodgers, but the guy's catching a ball from him, yeah, you really don't have. Yeah, I go back to the the year where Jordy Nelson tore his ACL. I remember it clear as day. Uh, the Rams were at Lambeau. The Rams were huge underdogs on the day. And again, they they just had kind of James Jones on the outside and, and uh, not a lot of guys that could burn on the outside. And I, I I'm in the north end zone in that game. And Rodney McLeod is, you know, deep as a single high safety. And it was early in the game. And I'm like, oh, this is fantastic. What the heck are the Rams doing? You can't play single high safety against Aaron Rodgers. He's going to crush you all game long. And the outside wide receivers with no Jordy Nelson couldn't get off press. And uh, the Rams made that a very interesting game and almost came away with a win. Green Bay kind of got away with one late. And then that was sort of the blueprint for the remainder of that season because Green Bay didn't have receivers that could make them pay down the field. And that sort of lived on for a little while until Adams really became great. uh, That, hey, if if they don't have receivers that can get off press, you press man, go single high, bring an extra guy in the box, make sure they can't run. And Rodgers, that's sort of Rodgers' kryptonite through the years. And we're seeing a lot of that through the last, you know, course of the last three, four weeks, um, especially in second half of games where teams are going press man on the outside and saying, hey, we're going to make these younger or less fast wide receivers uh, beat us man to man on the outside we're going to be super physical maybe they hit on one or two but we think we can make them really inefficient in the time being and that's certainly what's happened so far and until green bay comes up with a great solution to beat them and hits on some of those deep passes it's going to get be really difficult for you know to get teams out of that look so it's something that green bay is going to have to have a better plan for because i guarantee you we're going to start seeing more and more of it I'm talking with Andy Herman of the Pack-A-Day podcast. You can find him at Andy Herman NFL over on Twitter. Before I let you go, uh, the one positive, I guess, if we can talk about it consistently, has been special teams. Uh, Mason Crosby doesn't matter the length. It's, he's six for six on the season. Coverage has not been bad. The return game leaves a lot to be desired. Do you think that Amari Rodgers gets replaced by Kylan Hill once he does come off uh, of the uh, the injured list and we see then Amari Because Amari Rodgers right now to this point really doesn't have a lot of value to the Green Bay Packers. No, he doesn't. I mean, like they got to the point this week where he literally had one job left, right? Because they took kick return away from him and gave it to Christian Watson. He was not involved in the game plan. He played one snap at wide receiver, actually got one route this week. Um, Usually it's just been in the kneel downs. Um, But like he's literally down to one job as punt returner. And now he's put the ball on the ground for the second time this season through five games already. So you can't exactly trust him there either. Um, I didn't see it. I'd have to go back and look at it. I usually don't take a look too deep into the special teams tape to be transparent. Um, But I believe on the, uh, the, um, in the game tape, they said that Keyshawn Nixon was back to return the punt on the last punt of the game before uh, the safety return. Um, so it, it seems kind of like they were already going away from him with Watson at kick returner and Nixon at punt returner. Now, whether, what they do this week, especially with Watson being banged up, remains to be seen. As far as Kylan Hill, I think that's going to be an interesting one because he, he's coming back from a torn ACL, and he tore that ACL as a kick returner. Do you want to immediately just put him back at returner and say, and, you know, this is how you tore your ACL last time, but go back and, you know, get him again. But uh, we'll see. I think they maybe would take it a little bit more cautiously with Kylan, maybe start him at running back first. But I would expect to see more Watson at kick returner if he's healthy. And they, they need to find a better solution at punt returner because, as you mentioned, Amari's just not it right now. 
Yeah, no doubt. Uh, Andy, appreciate it as always. Love following his stuff, and we'll keep watching, okay? I appreciate it, Bill. Have a good one. You too, buddy. There you go. Andy Herman, uh, Packaday Podcast, at Andy Herman NFL. You can find his stuff at Andy Herman NFL. Good point uh, on the defense that, you know, it's just a combination of things, but the bottom line is, it's it's it looks relatively soft it looks relatively vanilla whatever you want to call it and it looks as if teams are looking at it going no you're not you you can fake it you can talk about it you can yell stuff but no you're not you're not you're not doing anything to be proactive and or aggressive you're kind of sitting back and waiting for the game to come to you and in certain circumstances as Matt LaFleur put it uh, during during some of the cuts that you heard a little bit earlier in some of those cuts you're right he's right you know, there are times to kind of sit back and let the game come to you. But uh, at times, man, you just want to see them become a great. I think everybody's waiting for you see these other defenses you know, come off the edge and come up the gut and doing different things. And, yeah, there's some teams that we've seen, you know, take chances. You leave the middle wide open and suddenly you don't have a linebacker back there and you see a big play go across the middle and then up the sideline 20, 30 yards. You get burned, but the crossing route has been something that other teams have pretty much taken advantage of the entire season. I don't see that changing anytime soon. Um, so why not take a few chances and possibly maybe getting uh, pressure either up the gut or pressure from the outside or, you know, there's plenty of different ways to do it. And Matt LaFleur is right. Is it just a matter of blitz? Are you talking about exotic blitzes? Are you bringing a safety? Are you bringing a corner? You you know, what, what are you doing? And the exotic blitzes, when you dial them up, Pardon the putt. The, you have to pick your poison because exotic blitzes can leave you really, really vulnerable, especially against good quarterbacks with good outside personnel. Um, let's do this. We're going to go ahead and take a quick break, come back. Got a lot more to get to still yet today. Hang in there. More of the Bill Michael Show. It's coming up right after this. Covering Wisconsin sports like a blanket, this is the Bill Michael Show on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. The Bill Michael Show Podcast. Listen, rate, subscribe.